0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church, Kannapolis, North Carolina. As senior pastor, Dean Hunter shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. If you have a Bible, we're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 11 today. Quite honestly, I have been searching and praying this week as to where we would land. Spent felt like uh, most of the year in this, under this umbrella of perspective, and how perspective, a biblical point of view, a biblical worldview, changes our perspective on life. And um, I feel like I've exhausted some of what I, what you can handle and what I want to do. And then, of course, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus and never want to under-highlight that. And so this week was quite a challenge to, to really get clarity on where we should be together. And I landed, I believe, through the Lord's leadership in Hebrews chapter 11. Not that it completely is separated from the idea of perspective, because what we'll find in Hebrews chapter 11 really shapes our biblical perspective, um, if you've been in church for more than a couple months, you've probably ran across Hebrews chapter 11. We call it the hall of faith. Uh, I read behind one commentator who called it the, um, the honor roll of faith. I had never seen that before, and some of us can't relate to that because we don't really know what the honor roll is, but um, you get the point. And Hebrews chapter 11 is really uh, a chapter about faith. And before I really get wound up in in preaching here, without a proper understanding of faith and without a proper practice of faith, we will struggle in this life as a believer. We live in a generation, a culture universally of prove it to me show me. Delaware, I think, is the show me state, but this nation and the world has turned into the show me nation. If you can't prove it. Can't in it for you. And the reality is, much of this book cannot be explained other than believing it by faith. There are, there are events in this book that I've never seen with my own eyes. Yet I believe it happened. There are some events that have never been seen, never been experienced, but that are promised that will happen, that we in the most brilliant minds in the room can't explain how it will happen, but by faith we believe it will happen. But if we allow the secular world to convince us that it's not possible to happen, it will have a pretty deterrent effect on our life. I've made up my mind a few times in life that I'm not going to listen to man or woman or people who try to explain something that has never been seen before, especially when it comes to biblical events. And I I just resolved myself a few years ago to decide I can't figure it all out. As brilliant as I am, I can't figure it out, so I'm just going to trust that God's got it figured out, and it's going to happen, and Hebrews chapter 11 is all about the faith that is required in this life. If you want to stand as we honor the word, I'm going to preach through all 40 verses. That's a lie. just wanted to surprise you and excite you, just going to read verses 1 through 7, which kind of have a natural separation from the other portions. There's 40 verses in Hebrews 11, this hall of faith, but I'm just going to be in verses 1 through 7 this morning and try to encourage believers to live by faith, a life of faith. The writer says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Wow. I, th- I would love to stop and just, just kind of talk about that with everybody for about 15 minutes. But that would take care of a lot of problems in our life, and we'd eliminate a lot of junk that some people are trying to teach us if we just believed the first half of verse 3. Right. By faith, we understand. Oh, that's an important word, understand. I just don't understand how this could happen. Well, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen even by a telescope were created or made by things that don't appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness, a testimony that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and by it He being dead, yet he speaks. Ooh, I think there's a sermon called When Dead Men Talk, and it's based on that. It's kind of a silly title, but dead men do speak. (laughs) By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. That's a fun word there. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is difficult, impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and believe that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen, as yet. Never seen rain before, but he was warned about rain that he had never seen and couldn't explain. Yet he moved with fear. He reverenced God with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became an heir. Noah became an heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Father, thank you for your word. About hearing your word, but doing I pray today if there's a person here who has never placed their faith in Jesus as their savior. Today would be the day they do that. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. I'm gonna say that I have a little bit of a ring kind of back here, I don't know if y'all hear that, but uh, I've been working. Right before Hebrews chapter 11, which is chapter 10, the writer here ends in verse 38 with a pretty well-known truth. He says in verse 38, now the just or the justified or the righteous or the believer shall live by faith. We've heard about faith all of our life as a Christian, being in church, got to have faith. I think George Michael's even encouraged us all to have faith (laughs) back in the day, a well-known theologian. The old Merriam-Webster, which was very Christian back in the day, described or defined faith like this, a belief and trust in, one of the the definitions is a a trust in a person, a belief or trust in and loyalty to God. That's what Merriam-Webster said. Now, he may change it today or his editor's. A firm believing in something for which there is no proof. What a a basic, clearly defined definition of what faith is. Faith is believing when you don't have proof. But yet, so many of Christianity and all the things of Christianity today, people are trying to prove it. I was reading behind one guy that I, I like to... Um, it was kind of funny sometimes And he was talking about apologetics And that his friend One of his best theologian friends these are, This is 50, 75 years ago Had written an apologetic book Apologetics book uh, and, and some of you get into apologetics And that's fine Apologetics is giving an answer for the faith Or providing an apology Not like I'm sorry But here's why it's true uh, I'm intrigued by apologetics If I must be honest but this guy said his friend had written this exhaustive book on apologetics and he had asked him to edit it for him. And um, he read it and he said, it was one of the best books I had ever read on apologetics. But I was honest with my friend and told him it was a great book, but I don't have need for apologetics anymore. And he talked about how that kind of strained their relationship because he was like, I mean, who, who wouldn't be, well, I like I your book, but I would never buy it. And his point was, he had come to the place in his faith life to where he didn't need to read books of apologetics trying to prove something that could be believed by faith. Now, I'm not telling you to throw your apologetic books away. Study it, do what you want to do to grow in grace and knowledge. But if we're trusting in man's apologetic books to believe something that can only be accepted and claimed by faith, we must be careful that we're not believing a man instead of believing God. And so there's the warning there uh, because faith is something that we don't, uh, believing something we can't explain or can't prove. Listen to what Martin Luther said about faith. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace. So sure and certain that a man could stake his life in it a thousand times. Think of all the men and women who in years gone by were martyred for their faith. Faith. Believing what they couldn't explain. And went to their death. Many of them torturous death. Because they had faith in something they couldn't prove and that they had never ever seen. Still happening today. In our text, I want us to be somewhat simple and look at two points. That sounds good, but there's a few subpoints for every point. First of all, I want us to look at faith explained. As I studied and read behind some people, I think really it's maybe unfair to say that Hebrews 11 provides a definition of faith, but more likely an explanation of what faith is. Is. And then we'll look at not only faith explained, but faith exemplified, some examples of faith. The faith that's described here in Hebrews 11 is really, it leads to three specific results that benefit a believer today. What we see in these texts, and, and I, I joke on Wednesday nights often because we've been through Romans, is that if I would have written it, I would have written it differently but I didn't write any scripture, just so y'all know. Um, and God had a way of doing it, even though I don't completely understand and wish he would have changed it sometimes and put this verse here, because it preaches better. Pastors will understand that. It would make my outline a little better if God would have moved verse four to verse two or vice versa, but he didn't. So I feel the same way here because we're gonna bounce around and look at verses one, three, and six to look at these um, Specific results of faith. And first thing I want us to notice in verse one is that faith provides confidence. In verse one, he says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word substance there is a word that we would use for confidence. Faith is the confidence or a realization, it's a reality. You imagine if Christians started living as if their faith was a reality? Now that, that was convicting. There was like a good number of amens, but if we really want to resonate with that and, and let it sit, that, that's kind of convicting. To live by faith in every aspect of our life I, I'm, I'm preaching to the preacher here, too. Faith is the substance. It's confidence. It's a reality. The things that we preach about, the, the things that we hope for, to use the, the passage there, that we really, we really every day acted out our faith as if God really was in control. I, I, y'all are looking at me. I mean, y'all, I wish. Sometimes I just snapshot. But, so I'm going to talk to me because I'm the only one that struggles with this, I can tell, If I would act every day my life out in complete, total faith and confidence that everything God has said is as sure reality as me standing here. I I know, it just got worse. I'm the only one that struggles with this (laughs) because my actions, many times, are a result of my lack of faith, my stress, my struggle my emotions, my mental disorders, plural, That's right. because of all the stuff I see. And I think, God, do you know what's going on down here? That's right. yeah. Now, if I really acted out 100% of faith, 100% of the time, I would never ask that question to God. Now, I'd like to think that I'm asking that question rhetorically to God and not expecting him to respond. Because I know in my frailties and and my sinful nature that I I really don't have the ability to completely understand. But I got to have faith. I got to have that confidence that he's got it all under control, which is why I probably don't don't follow through with the other things I would like to do to help God out. Y'all can, some of your minds are like, what's he talking? Fill in the blank. You've done the same thing. Some of you rednecks, but anyway. It's the confidence of things hoped for. The hope is a great word there, and I, I always like to clarify this hope that is used in the New Testament, especially here in Hebrews, is not some cross your fingers and, and blow out candles and hope something happens. It's an expected confidence. It's a confident expectation. He is, it is the, the confidence or the realization of things expected uh, or confident expectancy in and the evidence of things not seen. At, at funeral times for believers, we, I always use First Thessalonians 4.13 that we don't sorrow as those who have no hope because we don't. We sorrow but not as those who have no hope because believers have a hope that is a confident expectation. That to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That this is not the end. That it's a phase in life. And when we go to the graveyard and we drop the casket in, that we can by faith confidently expect to reunite again. If we don't have that faith, then this is the end. We don't have the confidence. We don't have the encouragement. We don't have the hope. We don't have the assurance. We don't have the peace that we're not going to see grandma or grandpa, mom, dad, son, or daughter again. So we sorrow because there's loss physically, but we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. And so this is a confident expectation. And then he says, goes on with this word evidence. Oh my goodness. If we could just all get in a huddle and break it down on evidence, proof, is the word there. Think about this. Now faith is the the reality of things we're confident in, the proof of things not seen. And how that would change our life. How that would change our Christian life. How that would settle a lot of unsettled emotions in the believer. I sound like a doctor. But I'm not close. Well, I'm closer than, anyway, but I'm not. But the point is to help us, to help the believer who's struggling with their faith, to know that it's an expectancy from God that we have faith. It equips a believer with confidence in a crazy world that God is in control. In 2 Corinthians chapter five, uh, we, we know this passage of scripture, usually in church, and I'm gonna read it uh, contextually. And here's the verse that most of us know. We walk by faith and not by sight. Anybody ever heard that verse before? We walk by faith and not by sight. Do we know that verse 7, now you're going to know this numerically, is strategically placed in the middle of verse 6 and verse 8? Okay. Verse 6 says this. You'll know this verse too. Therefore, we are confident, there's that word, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Stop, time out. It's kind of like you said, Paul, tell us something we don't know. While we're while we're absent, while we're at home in the body, which wake up, everybody right now is home in the body. Some of you look like the lights aren't on. You're like it's a rough night. It's all right. My regular sleepers haven't went to sleep yet. I'm looking around. That's how I gauge when it's about time to wind down. When we're, we're home with the body, we're absent from the Lord. What a, what a novel idea, Paul. You're such a great, wise man. In other words, God's there. We're here. We're absent from heaven. We're absent from the Lord, but we're present in the body. He says that in verse 6, which is a no-brainer. And then he throws in verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. It's directly related to the truth that we're separated from God right now. Some of you like, that. what's that got to do with the If you are present with the body right now at home and separated from God, that is a faith statement that God exists and that we're separated from him as far as physically separated from him right now. I don't know if anybody needs to be told this, but we're not in heaven. We're a long way from it. On our best days, we're, we're absent from the Lord, but we're present with the body. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And then you're like verse eight. We are confident. Why are we confident? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing to be absent from the body, and to be present with the Lord. He he inserts verse six there intentionally, we walk by faith and not by sight, to remind the church, the believer, hey, this life is a life of faith. We're walking by faith, not by what we see, knowing that right now we're separated from God physically, which is not good, even on our best day. I didn't say life is terrible and y'all just give up. I didn't say that. I'm saying even on our best days, it's not good comparable to being with the Lord. So we can walk in this life today in the body apart from the Lord by faith, knowing that to be absent from this body one day will be to be present with the Lord. Does that not make life a little more bearable? Like, oh, what a terrible week. Can this president can this person can that person lie one more time? Can they find one more thing wrong? Can they uncover one more? And and it goes on and on and on. Or can my neighbor do one more crazy thing? My brother's probably watching right now or he watches later sometimes. And he told me a story yesterday. If I told you, you would know just how redneck my family is about his neighbor. But I'm not going to do that right now. But it's fresh on my mind. And if you knew him, you would appreciate the conversation and the police that were called in for the situation (laughs) that happened with his neighbor. Faith provides confidence. Oh, I got to get to, yeah, I'm going to get to this one. Verse three, I love this one. It's fresh on my mind and it's fresh in the news. And I'm, going to use, I'm using the words intentionally here. Not only does faith provide confidence. Church, if you didn't hear anything else I said, you can have confidence that things will get better. Yeah. Right. This world will pass away. But there is hope for the believer to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Verse three, I use these words specifically, intentionally. Faith proves creation. I use that word prove to just upset a few people. Not in church, I'm not in a Baptist church, I know, but somewhere somebody will be upset by it. Faith proves creation. Now when we use the word prove, we want empirical evidence, right? Anybody just have PTSD from science class when I said empirical? <laughs> okay. We want, we want to know, We'll show me how this happened. I got good, possibly bad news for you. We can't. NASA can't. Elon Musk can't. Now, what they can do is fly us to the places that'll make us say, wow, what a big God. But they're not going to prove it. And just so we know, just so we're all on the same page, no, no evolutionist is going to prove it either. They can't. And I say that all the time, and, I, and somebody's coming back, I'm like, well, I saw a picture I saw a picture. Well, it was like a half monkey, half fish. I saw it. (laughs) But they can't prove it. But faith proves creation. I know what I'm doing, and I know I'm cross-cutting this knotty board right now when I do that. But faith in God's Word is all the proof we need for creation. I know that's not popular, and I know we want something else. We want to go to Hobby Lobby, and we want to go down to the, the hobby section, which you would think the whole thing would be hobbies, and you see uh, the science projects, and you're like, if, if, can I buy this thing right here that proves creation? And we'll put it on Facebook, and the world will be saved if we can prove creation. But we can't do it. We can't do it. There's a lot of smart people, a lot of smart Christian scientists who help us. Now we're back to apologetics. They help us. They help reinforce. I, I was um, on social media this week for about twelve hours a day. No, just kidding. Just want to see if you're awake. And a friend of mine, who some of you know, uh, went to the Ark for the first time. And if you've been to the Ark Encounter, um, you know I don't know that anybody goes to the Ark and the bus pulls up and the, If you've never been to the Ark, you need to go. And then go to the Creation Museum there as well. Uh, Ken Ham is an asset to Christianity, whether you like him or not, but he sounds smart because he's got a different accent, so everybody believes him. But anyway, when you pull in the bus and you go down a long road, and then boom, there's this big boat. I don't know anybody on the bus that was lost that said, I believe now. I'm a, I love Jesus, I'm a believer. The point is not really to, to really make you believe because seeing is not really believing when it comes to the faith life. But what this person did was they said, you know, they they believe by faith, but just to see it, just kind of affirms. And and I get scared when we start saying affirms, because I'm like, eh. But you understand the point. But it does put a lot of things in perspective when you see this massive boat that could be built, and they didn't take 120 years to build theirs, and then to see how animals could actually live in there, many of them. And it does. It does help. It helps. We're going we're to go to Israel in seven, eight months? Seven months? A group of us already signed up. You can go. And I don't know necessarily that anybody pulls into Jerusalem while they play the song, Jerusalem. And goes, I believe now. I believe. I didn't think Jerusalem was really a place, but now I believe. It does help us. It, it, brings, it brings Scripture to life. But I would be very, very cautious to say that someone got saved because they now saw the empty tomb. A matter of fact, you get there and you see the empty tomb and they say, well, around the corner, there's another empty tomb. say, so well, which one do I get saved on? No, you get saved by faith without seeing an empty tomb. And so anyway... Faith by faith, we understand creation. Listen to what he says. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. I don't know that Albert Einstein was a Christian, but I found a quote that I loved where he says this, that deep emotional conviction of the presence of a superior reasoning power, which is revealed in the incomprehensible universe forms my idea of god. Now I didn't say that made him a believer. I didn't I didn't say that. But Albert Einstein saw creation, he saw the universe and he said that's what forms my opinion of who god is. Because even Albert Einstein knew you couldn't prove how it was created. Even Albert Einstein understood Somebody looked like you knew him? Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> even he understood that for an explosion to happen, materials had to be in existence to explode. And that the materials came from somewhere. Even Albert Einstein understood that. That led him to believe in a superior, what he calls an idea of God, because he knew there had to be a creator. I didn't say he believed in Creation, as scripture says, he may have. I don't know. But he at least looked at the worlds that were framed according to scripture by God. He looked at the word worlds, means the entirety of the universe. He looked at the entirety of the universe. And by the way, he didn't have nearly the capacity that we have today of the universe. He didn't have the telescopes and science and space shuttles and all the stuff that we have today. But in his limited understanding of the massive amount of universe there was, he said, hey, that forms my idea of who God is. The Bible says, I don't say that lightly, the Bible says that the worlds were framed, the entire universe was created by the word of God. I know I'm talking to a lot of people this morning. It's like, tell me something I don't know. But certainly, there are people in this room that struggle with that faith to believe. And certainly, you have children and grandchildren that have, or are, or will go to a school, go to a college, where their desire, here he goes, some of you, their desire is to teach evolution and eliminate the possibility of creation. Because when you eliminate the possibility of creation, you eliminate the possibility of a creator. And we fought this battle, we've used it as a buzzword in the Baptist church and churches forever and ever and ever. But I don't know that we really understand the magnitude of the destruction that anti creation has caused in our country. If you eliminate a creator, you eliminate a God, you eliminate sovereignty. And you do whatever you want to do because there are, he's not going to get you. There are no consequences. There's no heaven. There's no hell. There's no right. There's no wrong. If you eliminate the creator, and this is what's happened. And I know I think about this often. I don't know how many professors, honestly, or teachers, honestly, who are teaching it with the hopes of convincing someone that there's no God. But I believe we have an enemy. I know we have an enemy. And I know he has some friends, who some higher ups, who want to infiltrate the minds of the world to convince them there's no creator. When you take away creation, the first few chapters, you take away the rest of it. And then it's worthless and pointless. But the writer here says, hey, by faith, we understand. So you say, I don't understand creation. Yes, you do, believer. You should, believer. And I know know. your neighbor's going to say, well, that's not good enough. I know your science teacher's going to say, well, that's not good enough, Billy. But you say, you know what, preacher, professor, I understand uh, creation. I would love to know that some, can y'all take a break with me for a second? Everybody watches a video that some kid in school has posted of some teacher slamming a kid against the wall. And most of us say, I'm not gonna say that, okay. But anyway, um, or a fight or something silly. We've all seen it, it's everywhere. I would love to see a video one time, and it may exist, where um, a Christian student says to their teacher, and some other Billy's in the corner videoing. That's how this happens. Um, Miss teacher, I understand creation. And the teacher say, "Well, explain to us, Billy." They probably wouldn't say that. They'd say, "You're crazy, Billy." Whatever. Can you explain it to the class? Well, I'd be glad to explain it to the class. The Bible says that by faith we understand that the worlds were created. The end. Mic drop. And just see what happens. I don't know. And maybe they go back and forth for a while in a good G-rated setting. I don't know. But that should be happening with believers and our conversation with other people. And we sit around and we try to figure out how God did it or how God couldn't have done it or how this had to have happened. And I mentioned someone last week who was basically trying to do that? And I've had conversations since then. I left the church, and I had two people come to me immediately. Show me, show me where he said that. I'm trying to follow up, do it. I don't make stuff up from the platform. I might tell you a big one out there, but I'm not going to lie back here. <laughs> and I know what this person is trying to do. He's trying to make it believable. He's trying, this, this pastor who's got a following, he's trying, I believe, he's trying to make it believable. And how he's adding his twist to creation and how evolution can be part of creation, theism and all this other kind of stuff is no different above. And what he's trying to do is convince, maybe he in good faith is trying to convince an audience that God is creator, maybe. But what he's doing is he's adding man, including his own point of view and perspective of how it was possible, He wasted a lot of people's time and probably a lot of reading, a lot of energy, when all he needs to do is say, church, by faith, we believe that the worlds were framed by God's word. That's what it says. Now, if you don't want to do it on your own spare time and and, and, waste some time and try to figure it out, that's fine, but don't waste everybody else's time with it, especially if you're a pastor. By faith, we believe it. How? Go back to Genesis and see how he did it. And God said, and God said, chapter one, and God said, by the word of God. How did he create this globe? He said, he spoke it. He fiated to speak into existence. Something from nothing, ex nihilo. Even Albert Einstein understood that. How do we... Explain creation by faith. We understand the worlds were created, formed by God, by His Word. Faith provides confidence, faith provides or proves creation, and faith pleases the Creator. Verse 6 Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. That's a sermon in and of itself. The question I would like to ask myself is who wouldn't want to please God? What believer wouldn't want to please God? What does pleasing God look like? The word please there means to be uh, acceptable or fully agreeable. My Bible says in Romans 3, when we've been, where we've been on Wednesdays, there's none righteous, no, not one. How could an unrighteous person ever please God? The answer is you can't. An unrighteous person cannot please God. A sinful person cannot please God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So, how could a person please God? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God is not pleased by, be careful how you hear this. God is not pleased. God does not look at a person fully acceptable because you have faith in creation. God is pleased when a person has faith in the Creator. Not just God, God the Son. Colossians 1, Genesis 1. God said, Let us. Jesus is just as involved in creation as God the Father. Those who please God do not please Him apart from faith faith in Christ. Faith in God. Faith in the one. And he goes on to explain this. Faith is uh, pleasing God by faith is to believe that he is and believe that he does. Believe that God is. Not just that there is a God, but believe that he is the only God. He goes on later and he talks about the devil's fearing and trembling because they believe in, in God. And it's not, we know that, and it's not just enough to believe in a God or believe that uh, he is the God, but to believe that he is the only God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, the Jewish Shema. He is the only God. Paul talks about that in Romans as well. And believing that he is the, the God who sent his only son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sins. Where do you get that from? believe that he is not simply believing in a God, but the one true God. John said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 10, he that believes on the Son of God has witness in himself. He that believes not, God has made him a liar, believes not God has made him a liar, because he believes not the record that God gave of his Son. We believe that he is the God God the only God who sent his son. That's believing who he is and then believing what he does, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I kind of got a little, I almost say excited, but I knew it was more preaching, so I had to eliminate some things. In verse six, we understand who God is We understand what God does. He rewards those who diligently seeks him. Reward there is as if it was a gift. And it's important to understand that the reward is not salvation. The reward is not a gift for something you've done. Salvation is Uh, a gift from God, period. I said gift, it's it's not a payback. It's not a reward. Oh, you did good, here's salvation. Salvation is not a reward. Salvation is a gift. And he says here that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Later in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. So much I could say about this reward. Genesis, um, we see about Abraham receiving a great a reward, so that a man in Psalm 58 may say, Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. The reward is God Himself. The reward for believing by faith is not salvation, that's a gift. The reward for faith. Is knowing God, having God Himself, and the benefits that come with being a righteous person, which are not, here's, here's something some, some of us need to hear. The rewards of the righteous by faith are not just what's laid up for us later, it's rewards that we can experience right now. That He is mine and I am His, that He's in control and I can have peace. Peace joy, patience, confidence. Those are rewards of being a believer right now. And he says, "By we please God by believing that he is and believing that he does. I'm gonna conclude this portion, don't get too excited, but I'm gonna conclude this portion with not only the faith that's explained, but the faith that's exemplified. And this is really where the rest of Hebrews chapter 11 continues in verses four through 40. We'll see, we're not going to see today, relax. You can see examples of men and women of faith. It's the hall of faith. The writer tells us he explains faith, and now he's going to give some examples of faith. And listen to what he says in verse 2. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Elders are those believers. It's the... the, um, the Old Testament saints that he's referring to here. And then he's going he's to give us some examples. And what we're going to learn, what we see, is that faith is demonstrated by doing something. There's obviously a correlation between James and Hebrews here. We don't have to turn there. We don't have to read it all. But James says, faith without works is dead. Show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith being, faith without works being alone is dead. And here in the first few verses, the writer, and this is why I was a little confused as to why he put these three here separate from the rest. But these are three pre-flood examples of men who lived by faith. After the flood, you have all these other ones that are mentioned there. He gives the examples of Abel, Enoch, and Noah. And there's a lot to be said and not enough time to say it. But if you get this, you'll get the the basics. Abel's faith was demonstrated by his worship. Enoch's faith was demonstrated by his walk. And Noah's faith was demonstrated by his work. If you know about Cain and Abel, it answers a lot of Second Amendment questions today, by the way. (laughs) Bill Jolly, the patriarch of the Bible Teaching Association in Kannapolis. When I was a child, I remember him teaching us the difference in Cain and Abel's sacrifice. Abel gave the more able sacrifice. That's how we remember which one did which. Some of you are brighter than that and you didn't need that help. Help me. There are, there's a lot of fun conversation about the sacrifice. Um, Abel gave meat, Cain gave grain, or people say, well, it's what God demanded, and instead of what man wanted and his, well, he was a farmer, he, and then, then you go back and forth. You can waste your time looking at these arguments back and forth. That's the Cain and Abel sacrifice, and why God accepted it. But the answer is right here. By faith, Abel offered the more excellent sacrifice. People, some of you are, maybe we need to go back and read Canaanite. I don't know. But the answer is by faith. Abel gave the sacrifice, the worship that God demanded by faith. By faith, he sacrificed. Verses, and there's a message here. What it really preaches is that Cain was just going through the motions. Here's a sacrifice. God demanded a sacrifice. But by faith, Abel gave the more excellent sacrifice. And then he gives the example of Enoch and his walk, and what a story. Just a few verses tells us all we need to know about Enoch. I don't know if you've read before, but in Genesis chapter 5, you don't have to turn, you don't have to read Enoch lived 65 years and then had a son, Methuselah. Y'all probably heard of him before. Then the Bible says he lived 365 more years and he walked with God. This, This is the biography of Enoch. These are the kind I like to read. It's like a half a page biography. He was 65 years old. He had a son. He lived 365 years and he walked with God. Now, I have read behind some people that say, well, something happened, and then he less, the rest of his life he lived, and they'd preach a message on it. He lived 420 years, right? I think that's the math. I thought I did that math somewhere. 430 years, and he was not. Did y'all know that about Enoch? <laughs> you write a book report on that one. Well, he was 65. He had a kid. He lived 365 years. He walked with God, and he was not. The end. The end. The important part is that he walked with God, and then he was not. And Hebrews says that God translated him. Now, that wouldn't, you know, I'll fly away doesn't sound quite as good if you would throw in, I'll be translated, or something like that. <laughs> I'll translate, oh glory. just doesn't have the same ring. Important thing is he walked with God. for 365 years. Now, I don't know what that walk was like, and I really don't understand why God took him. But Enoch was a special man that walked with God by faith. And it seems like somebody would have wrote a little more about his 365 years if he was so much a man of faith that God took him. But he did. So it talks about his his walk. We learn from his walk, and then we learn from Noah his work. And all we know about Noah is, And Noah is a great picture of today. It's a great picture of us working. It's a great picture. It's so great of a picture Jesus referred to Noah and the days of Noah. Think about it. Noah was warned of God about things that he had never seen before. Rain, a flood. But he worked as if it was real. Real. By faith, Noah prepared an ark. Church, there's a warning that this world is going to see something that they can't explain and have never seen before. None of us, just like Noah, could have told them what rain was going to be like. None of us can tell the world what it's going to be like. What we can tell them is it's going to happen. And that they need to prepare. Church, we've got to prepare. When I say church, I mean people sitting here today. You've got to be prepared for what's to come that you've never seen before, but we've been told it's coming. Well, have you ever seen anything like a rapture, Enoch? Right, as about as close. How'd that happen? Well, probably the gravitational pull just affected him because he had a metal plate in his head. So now we're starting to man's explanation for how this could happen, and the answer is by faith. He walked with God, and God took him. Yes. Right. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of joking about it, but I like to sit around and think, how can this happen? Maybe it had something to do with the vaccine. I'm just joking. No. <laughs> They said there was some kind of metal in it, I don't know. That's what's going to keep those with the vaccine close to the earth, and the rest of us are going to take off when grab it. Please don't don't. Just court recorder, erase all that was just said. Don't. Now I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. Do you know what's going to happen? Do you know Jesus is coming back? Can't explain how it's going to happen. Can't explain rapture other than it's going to happen. We're going to be called away. He's going to come back. I can't explain how the fire's going to fall and the world will be destroyed other than by faith that God's word said it's going to happen. And my job and your job as a believer is to teach it and preach it and live it so that people prepare for what's to come, though they can't understand what it's going to look like. And Noah did that and gave us an example. And each one of them, in their example, provides testimonies of righteousness. Uh, we've been in Romans, and you've heard me say that on Wednesday nights. And it's real, it's real simple if we want it to be. How, are, how is Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Rahab, how are they saved? By faith. By faith. By faith in the word of God of God. Each one of them were approached by God and God gave them his word and they believed it and they acted on it. How is a man or woman saved today? By faith. In what? The word of God. Not the word of the church, not the word of the Baptist, but the word of God. What's the word of God say? The word of God spoke to Enoch, spoke to Noah, spoke to to Abel, and they all believed it. And they were considered righteous. It's what the Bible says. Righteous, in verse seven. Had the testimony of righteousness in verse four. They were considered righteous, a right standing, justified before God by faith in his word. Anybody that's saved today, Anybody that's declared righteous today will be declared righteous by God by their faith in his word. Which is absolute truth. Amen. That he is and that he does faith in his word that you got to prepare for what's to come. Faith in his word that God did love the world so much that he sent his son to be the savior, to be the only way, the only truth. The only life. Where does that come from? The Baptist faith and message? No, it comes from the Word of God. And any church or any denomination that preaches justification, salvation, righteousness by any other means than the Word of God is not the truth. They had the the testimony of righteousness. Paul said in 1st the first chapter of Romans, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just, the justified, the righteous, the believer shall live by faith. Do you pray with me? Father, You've reminded us, encouraged us, taught us what true faith looks like, given us examples in your word of men and women of faith. My prayer, my desire is that there's men and women, moms and dads, grandparents here today who are saved and they know it by faith. They're considered righteous by faith in your word. They believe it. They've acted on it. But my desire is to encourage believers to truly live their life by faith, faith faith-pleasing you. God, if there's somebody here today who they have never placed faith, confidence, Belief in your word that they're lost separated from you because of sin and they're in need of a savior not because I said it because the church said it but because your word says that we're under your condemnation that we're enemies of God today by faith by the convicting power of your Holy Spirit I pray they would see the reality of their need for salvation, and by faith call on you. I told us whoever calls on the name of the Lord, believing by faith that Jesus is who your word says, that they shall be saved. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church events and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbccannapolis.com.